Welcome back, everybody. This is Eric and Matt, and this is Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit, your beacon of freedom and the American way of life. Tune in every Friday for a new episode as we dive into the world of liberty and what makes our country great. Alright guys, welcome back. I hope you've all had a great week. And this is Eric and Matt here with Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit. And we have a really great podcast here today that we're going to be getting into. And we're going to be sort of holistically um, looking at the approach of home defense. And we're yep. going to talk about a lot of different stuff related to defending your home and some of the considerations. Probably some stuff that some of you know about and obviously employ in your everyday life. But then maybe some things that uh, maybe you haven't thought of before. So this is meant to be a big springboard uh, to sort of get your juices flowing on ways that you can protect your home. Uh, it's obviously very easy to argue that your home is your castle. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, and so is your car in Georgia. So it just, you know, in Georgia is unique that, you know, your car is considered part of your home. So anything you can do in your home, you can do in your car with like carrying a gun. Uh, Georgia doesn't require you to have a CCW to carry a firearm in your car, either on your persons or in your car. So it's unique in that. Um, but as far as just talking about, you know, home security, home defense, I mean, you can't, the, the very first thing you would think of is something basic like, um, uh, alarm system, like just having a basic alarm system and we can go, we're going to go down the, the rabbit hole on we that. Are. Um, we're we're going to peel back the layers of yep. this onion as we go throughout today's podcast. So if yep. you're tuning here on uh, YouTube, uh, thanks for tuning in and watching today's video. And if you're back on podcasts, uh, thanks so much. Be sure to leave us a, a great review on the podcast servers. Five stars. And uh, that'll help us out tremendously. Uh, I would like to take a moment to thank our friends at Sonoran Desert Institute for supporting Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit. They have some great gunsmithing programs. Uh, if you're into distance learning in regards to firearms technology, or if you're wanting a career in the field, they are definitely your go-to people. They've got some great instructors, great financial incentives, really, really good programs. Uh, they set you up for success in your career as a gunsmith. Uh, also, don't ignore the reloading programs. They've got some great reloading programs, great gunsmithing programs. Check them out. Sonoran Desert Institute, SDI. All right. So I, I've referred to this home defense thing that we're we're getting it's in on all this. encompassing being as a layer, right? A, an onion layer, and you start to peel things back. And I think that's a great way to describe any defensive environment, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it is our home that we're going to secure so we can, you know, sleep well at night and not have to worry about people messing with us in our sleep or whatever, or, you know, let's just say um, even down the rabbit hole of setting up a defensive position in a military environment, right? You don't just dig a hole and then there's your foxhole. You have barbed wire and you have landmines and you have early Sandbags. warning devices and you have roaming patrol. So there's all these layers either militaristically or just in the civilian world, that we apply to our everyday life. And we think about these layers, and each one adds a little bit more of a firewall against a potentially bad situation occurring. Right. Right. So the security cameras you mentioned, that is one essential layer. Um, why don't we sort of, to structure this in a way that might make sense to a lot of people, why don't we start at the furthest extent of that layer and work our way in? And then that way it would give us uh, a little bit of a of a springboard to to think about this uh, in, a, in a methodical process. Yeah. 
So, I mean, one of the most passive ways that you can keep people out of your property would be, you know, installing gates and things like that. That's mm-hmm. always, you know, if you're in a rural area like I am, obviously, uh, you know, a gate with a gate opener and ability to lock it with maybe like a grade 70 transport chain or something. Um, that's one initial layer. There might be a lot of people, Matt, yeah. that drive by and go, well, I was thinking about going down this road and going to see if there's something on this property I can steal. But, you know... I don't want to sit here and try to cut through grade 70 transport chains. You know what? Instead of messing with this, I'm just going to defer this and go to a much softer target. Right. I would I would say that. But the what I noticed, and um, I noticed this coming on to your property, actually, without giving out any information, is that you know previously you had a heavily wooded front area where you could get to your gate and you wouldn't see. But now it's cleared. So I would say that just having vision, having an open area in front of your house where because people like to have concealment and conceal their house, but that also provides concealment to anybody that's trying to get close to your house. You want a wide area of approach. So if you ever notice like a lot of the rural areas with farmland, it's nice and flat. You can see a very long distance and the chances of somebody being able to walk up to your property without you seeing them first is very slim. Mm-hmm. So I agree with, you know, locking your property, obviously with gates and chains, but also making sure that you have vision into where these people are coming from. Um, to me, that I would feel a little bit more secure that way. You know, and, and one interesting footnote to sort of think about when it comes to this, especially when we're in this initial layer of the home security uh, paradigm here, would be that a lot of thieves, you're really in thievery at this point, Mm -hmm. right? Okay, they're not in the home yet. They're trying to access the property. That's kind of where we're at in this layer, right? Well, a lot of thieves are just very opportunistic people. Like they're looking for an easy opportunity to go, oh, cool, there's something I can steal. They can take it. And I'm not saying I agree with thievery. I don't. I think thievery is terrible and, and stealing is wrong, of course. But uh, when you think about the sort of mental process that a thief is going through when they're thinking of this, it's also important to remember that a lot of thieves probably don't want to hurt people. That's why they're choosing a passive way. So like if they're snooping around on your property and looking for something valuable they can take, they're not looking for confrontation, right? Yeah, they're trying to avoid it. Yes, they're trying to avoid you, most certainly avoid you, and they're trying to avoid confrontation. And most petty thieves, they don't want to hurt anybody. They just want to find something easy to steal and leave and hope that you won't notice. So that's the part of this layer that we're on. Um, Another thing I'd like to discuss, we'll get back on the cameras. Mm -hmm. Now... There's a couple of different cameras that you can set up depending on what you're looking to do. Um, There's a closed circuit TV style of camera, which are much more expensive to get into because you have to run the literal Cat5 cable. Um, You know, you have to run physical cable. Now, the Category 5 cable uses, uh, basically, you have your audio and video and all your signaling and your power contained in one cable. So that's how they're able to do that and keep everything nice and clean and keep your cable runs clean. But, okay, um, I'm actually looking at doing a CCTV system here. And uh, they have some really advanced ones out right now that are very cutting edge. I mean, they have some cameras that can record thermal Mm -hmm. and night vision and low light, and they're exceptional quality. And the prices on them have gone down considerably over the years, so they're very affordable. But it's those long cable runs that'll get you. So if you've got a long driveway that's a few hundred yards long or something, you want to put a camera, let's say, looking outside your gate, 
to just record people that are coming on the property or whatever, you're going to be looking at a considerable investment in the long cable run. And if you're having a professional do the installation, uh, you know, if they're going to rent a ditch witch and have to cut a ditch, you know, 500 yards long, that can get pretty expensive. Not only the cable run, but then cutting the ditch, you know, most of them are going to charge you a lot of labor to install that. Yeah. And, you know, I'm partial. I'm more partial to the C, the closed circuit style versus, and um, we haven't talked about it yet, but more of the like ring or nest style where it's like yeah, on, Wi-Fi. Yeah. Wi-Fi where everything is being hosted on the cloud. And I'll tell you why it's because you're not sharing that with anybody else. So like the company, it's your data. Only you can access it. Yes, you do have to store it on a separate server. You have to set all that up. So take that into consideration. If you want to have the the convenience of logging in and seeing what's on this camera without it being on some other company's cloud, you have to set that up. Yeah. And that costs money. But at the same time, you don't have to worry about outages. You don't have to worry about all that stuff. It's your data. And you know, privacy is the name of the game. You see a lot of uh, information out there about, you know, all these different companies spying on you and selling your data, providing your your feeds, your camera feeds to the police or local law enforcement without your permission, because that's part of their, you know, user license agreement. So all kinds of stuff. So while the closed circuit style does cost more in upfront, I think it's a little bit more reliable. You're running your own power. You're not dependent on a wireless network. Um, And honestly, it it has a lot more recording time as well. Well, on the modern ones, they have some really gnarly DVRs with a lot of available space on them. That's one thing. Oh, yeah, multiple terabytes. And when I got to looking into the CCTV, that's one thing that got me to uh, close in on it. I haven't installed mine yet, but I am going to be installing a CCTV uh, system. And they've got some that are relatively intelligent now. I don't have a list, on, uh, unfortunately, um, at my disposable right this minute. Uh, but they do have some that have uh, literal, like, uh, tablets that come with them. And you can walk around your home, and it'll send from the DVR a Wi-Fi signal of mm-hmm. of the feed. So you can have your tablet. So if you're in the office, you take the tablet with you, set it on a little thing, and you can have a little feed pulled up and see what's yeah. going on in the property. You can also send that CCTV signal out to a monitor uh, mounted in a room. Like, let's say you're in the office all the time. You work from home like we do. Um, You can have a monitor to be able to see what's going on on the property. I mean, there are a lot of situations where, you know, my my wife might be home by herself. So it's handy for her to kind of have eyes in the sky and know what's going on. So that is one important layer. And while I think that CCTV is a really great setup, they are kind of pricey, although the prices have come down. And I still don't think that they completely eliminate the need for a Nest style setup for the home as well. Well, to touch on that, on that particular brand. I think they work in concert with each other a bit. They do. I think that, you know, there's applications for both. I I personally, um, I'm not a uh, Ring Doorbell, Nest, or, you know, Smart TV, you know, Amazon Echo, Google, whatever it is. Like, I don't have any of that in my house. And that's just the tinfoil hat nature of myself. I don't allow it in my house. My wife is, like, on board with that. 
Um, but you see so many, like there was all these news articles and like on the news where people hack those. So there'll be videos of like little kids playing in the playroom and some random person will hack into it and start spewing racial remarks to this kid. And oh, the wow. kid's like looking at the camera, like, who are you? Like, and they're just like, they're, they're just, it's, it's scary to think that somebody can log, log into your account and watch you in your most private you know state like in your home they can watch your child in your home and you would never know and that's because you're you are delegating that security to the company and the company doesn't really care they're turning around and selling it to the highest bidder um and with the ring doorbells they've openly said that they're creating a network for law enforcement to use. So basically, the more people in your community that have those Nest doorbells, they're able to put those pictures together to, you know, see what's going on. Yeah, to paint a greater picture. Yeah. Yeah. And like the whole eagle eye effect is taking effect, essentially. You know, it's it's kind of scary. It's really interesting that you that you mentioned that I did not know that that was a thing, Matt. So uh, that might make me question, you know, the, the use of those in the future. But I have found that the doorbell type cameras are very, very useful. Very like, convenient. Not that we really have delivery drivers that come all the way up to our door or whatever, because we're way off the road. But um, it is nice to be able to just have sort of an, uh, an earmarked event that is created. So while, okay, on one end, I could understand where someone would be you know, concerned about, let's just say, Big Brother keeping an eye out, um, it still doesn't completely get rid of the benefit of me being able to have access right. to it though. So I have a lock. I know when people come and they go. I know when someone's been to my home. Uh, and let's just say we're trying to establish a series of events. Maybe there was a robbery or a burglary or someone snooping around on the property. Maybe someone came up to the door and just did a press check, right? To see if the door was unlocked. They would hear a different press check it, on my house. Uh, <laughs> yes. Well, we're getting to that. But it would be handy to know when they came who they were, have their face recorded, you know, and does record a short video whenever they approach the uh, door. So that can be handy. So law enforcement can take the appropriate measures in that regard as well. So I do understand where you're coming from. I do like the whole home security systems. Um, we've done a few of them over the years, and and they're, they're great, you know. Um, if you are going to be away from your home for an extended period of time, it is nice to have a whole home security system the most important part of that, though, that I like, I like the glass break sensors, mm-hmm. the motion sensors on the inside of the home, as well as the smoke and carbon monoxide detectors. Carbon monoxide is huge. That scares yeah. the life out of me. Yeah. Oh, my God. But like, that is handy, though. So, like, all right, something might happen when you're away from home. What if a fire breaks out in your home? Well, having that whole home security system will warn you, hey, uh, dude, your house is on fire. And mm-hmm. hopefully, maybe get someone there soon enough to either save your house or whatever. So, you know, the whole home security systems, the cloud-based and uh, um, Hive-type systems are definitely cool. The CCTV we discussed. Um, let's sort of peel back another layer of this onion, all right? So we started with our gate. We started with some CCTV cameras with really long Cat 5 leads, mm-hmm. um, which those do represent a considerable and uh, distinctive cost. 
Um, what are some of the other layers that we could look at? All right, so let's let's put our mind our, ourselves into the mind of a person who's trying to break into your home or to case your home or to look for something to steal. Something I notice people do on a regular basis, and it really grinds my gears. It irks me big time. Is they leave valuables out in their yard, you know, even if it's just your child leaving their bicycle outside or someone leaving tools outside. I can't tell you how many times I've drove up and down the road in suburbia and just seen like someone's, you know, DeWalt tools sitting out on the porch (laughs) or someone's, uh, you know, valuable bicycle just sitting there or uh, a lawnmower being left unattended or any number of random things, right? A stack of Amazon packages. Yeah, you got the porch door. pirates, I mean, you know, on. depending on where you live. If mm-hmm. someone just, you know, rolls down the road in their vehicle and looks over and sees an Amazon package, they might be tempted to hop out and steal it. And that's what we call porch pirates. So there are those considerations. So part of the security starts on the outside of your home by not leaving crap laying around. <laughs> Simple stuff. The little things. Yep. Don't make yourself attractive to thieves. I think bicycles. Don't leave valuable things laying around. Yeah. Bicycles, power wheels, like high dollar. So like some of these kids' bicycles are not cheap. Yes, you do have cheap stuff. But, you know, on the nicer parts of town, you see some like couple hundred dollar bicycles. Right. Kids don't know. They're just like, oh, we're done with this. Well, Throw it, it starts. It starts innocent. Yeah. So someone goes, oh. I'm going to steal this bike because it's easy. But then they get close and they go, oh, here's an Amazon package or yep. here's a drill or here's something. There's a right? toolbox. In the, or in a the toolbox. the garage door is open. We're just going to walk in. That's and, correct. And start so grabbing stuff. By not creating an environment where you make yourself attractive to a potential thief, you're sort of hiding in plain sight because there's just nothing, no incentive for them to look further, right? Uh, another thing I see people do on a regular basis, and it really bugs the crap out of me, all right? And this is getting to another layer. And I'm not going to tell the story because it's really not that interesting, but I had a family member uh, had a break-in about a year ago, and this lends itself precisely to what I'm about to say. Don't leave things laying around near anywhere near your home that someone can use to break in your home. You know, a large brick, a cinder block, you know, a crowbar, you don't want to leave the very tools laying around yeah. that they can use to break in your home. And, and I see people this. do it. Yep. I see all the time with ladders. People will have those, those extending ladders, but instead of putting it back in the garage, they, I'll get it tomorrow. And they leave it on the side of the house, just laid down, leaned up against the house. But then that I'll do it tomorrow turns into I'll get around to it. And it just sits there and it sits there and eventually you forget about it. And then that thief comes up. It's like, oh, hey, there's a ladder. I bet the uh, the front front windows are locked, but I bet the kids upstairs, I bet their windows are open. And then we have a free ladder right here. Climb right up, right in your house. That's right. So you see all kinds of stuff. but It's crazy that people yeah. will leave things laying around. Like I bought one of those log splitters that you attach to just the, the, you know, you screw it down to like the top of a you know random piece of cut wood and you can split firewood on it by hand. It's got the wedge in it. Mm-hmm. And I bought this. Big old like, well, it's like a four pound little mini mini sledge, a little small hammer to be able to, you know, hit the wood like and kindling split and stuff it. Yeah, like for that. kindling. And for a long time, I left that on my porch because I was using it a lot. And I thought, man, I'm an idiot. So I'm leasing this three pound hammer right here on the porch <laughs> that someone can just smash the window and get right in. And you, you, you kind of start thinking, well, an honest person doesn't think like that, right? You have to put yourself in the mind of someone who is lazy and opportunistic. Right. 
the most opportunistic of thieves, they want to see the easiest path. And that's what ended up happening to my relative a year ago. They got broke in on. Um, there was a couple of spare bricks from a project in the mm. back- backyard. And they got left out. A small pile of bricks. What do you think you used to smash the back uh, door? One of those bricks. Now, all right. Had those bricks not been there, would he have smashed the window? Maybe. He would have found something else. All right, but then what if the other item he would have found, and then the other item he would have found, and then the other backup item? What if nothing was there to smash the window with? Would he have brought his own tool to smash the window? Who knows? But you can reasonably assume he chose the path of least resistance because it was there, it was available, and it was easy. Don't leave the tools there necessary to break in your home. Make it hard. That's one tiny layer. Now, there are some really cool things that you can do to your home that if that if that person brings their own tools to help uh, make your house a hard target, they sell this really cool transparent film that you put on your windows. And basically what it does is it, it's like a screen protector for a phone for your windows. And you can throw stuff at it and you can hit it with a hammer and it's just going to spider web. And it sort it, of turns it into safety glass. Yes, it, this is exactly what it does. So when you throw a brick at it, that brick's going to bounce off. Yes, the window's going to break, but they're not going to be able to get in your house. With enough time, they can pry their way in just like you can with anything. But the chances of them sticking around to do that are very low because you have neighbors, depending on where you live. You know, I happen to live in a, in a neighborhood in a cul-de-sac they're not sticking around for long. They're either going to try to get in the window and get inside the house where you can't can't be seen, mm-hmm. but they're not hanging around trying to trying to get a window open. But I think windows are probably the number one thing that people used to get in, and it blew me away because one of my neighbors they are completely renovating their house, and this house is beautiful. They re- and they replace it's an older home. But they they went through and they replaced all the windows. They got these amazing like windows with like very thin frames. They put in a brand new French door on the front door, but it's like all like a big window pane. And I said to myself, that thing looks amazing. But then the lights went out, like the sun went down and the lights came on and they live in a fishbowl. So I'm like, well, it looks good. But from a pure security standpoint... It's a nightmare. It's pretty vulnerable. Yes. There is so many ways to get into that house. So this is probably the part where, you know, as we look at these onion layers that we're peeling back on the situation, now we're getting into the area where a thief or let's just say even worse, maybe a potential murderer or rapist, God forbid, Mm -hmm. is going to be much more determined, right? We're, We're past the layer of laziness. Now we're getting into the layer of determination. Yep. So when we approach this... It's probably important to make the distinction that, all right, from a standpoint of being the homeowner, all right, you've entered your property, you've opened your gate, you've got your cameras, maybe you got some floodlights on the outside of the house to help light it up at night. That's cool. Um, that's certainly useful. Even the motion detection uh, ones are great. We use landscape lighting, whatever you use. Um, from the perspective of the homeowner, I would just say that This is an area where you want to make sure your situational awareness is on point. Um, A lot of home invasions occur when people are just being really complacent. You know, they're looking for their keys. Maybe they got a light. They're trying to unlock the door. All right, someone comes in behind you. I know you've seen tons of videos where someone opens their garage and then a bad guy slips in. Yep. 
there you go, he's in. Or, you know, they pull in, the garage door's coming down, what's the bad guy do? They slip in as the garage door's going down, and now you're trapped in there with them. Happens all the time, it's just, it's you're getting to this point where someone is much more determined, right? They're not just lazy anymore, they're yep. now a determined criminal. At a point that someone is going to enter their home, your home, they're going to break the door, break the window, and they're going to physically and with violence and action enter your home. You are now getting into a different type of person who potentially might hurt you, and you must assume will hurt you. So this is getting into that kind of you know weird territory there. Well, you are now in an ambush situation, and anybody that's been in the military or knows military tactics or un- understands the situation, you are at a disadvantage. When you are when you've been ambushed, gigs up. You have to. You at that point have to outthink that person because they've already got the drop on you. There's no situation where you're closing your garage door and you see this person coming in from your rearview mirror that they're not already aware that you, that you're there. So they have the intent to cause harm. Complacency kills. And you know, when it comes down to okay, military environment, you've been ambushed. Well, your 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 primary goal is going to be, you know, to break contact. Break contact. You need yep. to break contact and get away and reassess the situation and decide whether whether the risks are worth fighting back or whether or not you need to just absolutely remove yourself from the environment permanently and not even attempt to fight back, like knowing when to run and when to hide. Now, when we translate that to this particular situation, you know, the complacency and your overall situational awareness is one of the most important weapons in your arsenal that you can have when it comes to a home invasion. I know you've seen tons of videos where people, you know, are getting invaded by groups of people, right? And these people are, you know, sometimes their motivations are just stealing money or stealing valuables. Sometimes their motivations are a little more nefarious, right? There's situations where all they want to do is just find women to rape or or people to kidnap, mm-hmm. right? Ransom. I mean, the yeah. yeah, the human trafficking world, that's a real thing. Like, that's a business for people. So you don't want to find yourself on the, uh, you know, wrong side of that situation. Mm-hmm. So... Without getting too far down the rabbit hole, let's just say that the additional onion layer before we even enter the front door is your situational awareness and your wherewithal of your environment and what's around you. Think about the way your home looks from the outside. Think about what's normal. Think about, you know, if there's furniture uh, that's on the porch, where is that furniture? What position is it in? You know, is it the same way you left it? Has anything moved? Does anything look out of place? Does it look like someone tried to kick the door? Is there a footmark on the door? Is there, you know, think about the little details. And it might give you just enough of a clue where you can go, okay, something's up, right? We don't know if, if, if this is safe. So having the wherewithal and just the, the la- you know, you don't want to be complacent. That's one essential layer, especially when you're leaving and uh, coming back to your home, especially when you're leaving. You can be ambushed when you're leaving for work or something. So, Think about that. And uh, as we peel away this other layer, I guess, you know, we've already talked about any number of different cameras and doorbells and all the random stuff. Uh, Now we're entering the front door. We're in the home. Now we are past the point of no return, right? We are inside the home. Uh, Let's talk talk a little bit about uh, some good solid door locks. There's lots of options for reinforcing your main entry. Yeah. I mean, the, the main thing you can do 
even with just a standard deadbolt, is just getting longer screws for your kick plates. I mean, for your the plates that are basically holding in the deadbolt, the builder level screws are maybe an inch. I mean, there's a reason that when you go to kick on that thing, it just flies open. Um, if you put in solid three inch screws, like deck screws, galvanized deck screws, even without an upgraded lock, that thing is going to hold like Fort Knox. I mean, these guys are going to have to hit it with some serious determination just to get get that standard, you know, quick set deadbolt. As long as you upgrade those two screws that are going into the uh, frame of the door. Um, yep. So that's like probably the number one thing. If I mean, go test it out. Go take a drill and just pull out one of those screws. You're going to see it's about an inch, maybe. Maybe even three quarters of an inch. Something else to consider, too, is also how your door jam is actually mounted to the studs. And especially a lot of these small craft builder homes and stuff, they cut a lot of corners, Mm -hmm. right, when it comes to hanging doors and stuff. And you'll notice they use these little cheesy shims. And, you know, sometimes the fitment is not all that great. They'll throw the thing up inside the door jam, and as long as the door is reasonably plumb and it closes and, and works, they call it good, right? They don't always get in there and really reinforce it. So I would check to see how your door is actually mounted and make sure those screws are actually going into actual wood, mm-hmm. right? Good, solid studs. Like, make sure your door is hung just right. And then you can run those really strong spacks, uh, those blue screws, Um you know, you might have to countersink the uh, the plate a little bit that they go into so that the heads aren't kind of poking out and causing it to not close right and everything. But those SPACs, I think they have a a uh, weight rating of like 115 pounds a piece as opposed to just your regular little cheapo tiny one-inch long yeah. screw like he's talking about. I mean, a swift kick, I mean, it'll probably only take 20 pounds of force yeah. to snap that thing right out of there. Well, And even if it didn't break the screw, it doesn't have a lot of material to hold on to. It'll break off. It'll break the head off, you know. Or the whole door jam will just yeah. come out. And that's usually what happens because those doors are not usually mounted all that great. So, yeah, use some big old long deck screws or get some spacks or something and get those bad boys in there in some good solid wood. And also, one of the most important upgrades that you can do for your front door are night locks. Mm -hmm. I'm a big believer in night locks. Now, the only caveat there is that you have to be inside your home to use them. It's a bar that actually mounts on the bottom of the door, and it has a a metal bracket on the floor that you mount with some really gnarly screws, of course. And then you mount another bracket. uh, I guess you would call it a male and female bracket on the door. And it's a big gnarly piece of metal and you go whoosh, and you slide it in there and ain't nobody kicking in that door it's i'm like, telling you they're, they're solid it's like the club for doors yes instead of your steering wheel yes <laughs> you remember that the club man yep <laughs> yep but um the low jack or yeah <laughs> i mean that is all great info the number one thing that is really gonna make all of that null and void though is that most residential doors have it's like 50% glass. I mean, it's all, you know, visual. People want that nice door with the nice big stained glass window or the nice glass so you can see through it. Or you have the uh, glass going on the sides of the door for mm-hmm. like ornament. Like, come on, you're going to put a night lock and you're going to upgrade the locks and you're just going to punch right through the side of the glass. So if you if you just take from an entire... I guess, holistic aspect of it. 
if you go into it with safety in mind, you're going to change all that stuff. Yes, you might not have the most beautiful front door, but you don't also have a hollow core door for your front door. You you have a metal security door. You can paint it, make it look nice. But if you're, if you have a lot of valuables in your home, then you need to take care of those valuables and don't make it easy for them. So a couple quick notes. Um, they do make ornamental doors that, that are definitely security, security rated and much, much stronger. They are, they do represent quite uh, an investment. And then the other thing is I would always install a double key deadbolt lock. Mm-hmm. Don't do the one that's got the turn on it because if they break the glass, all they got to do is reach in and they can unlock the door. That's right. So if they could unlock the normal lock, but then they reach in and they go, oh crap, there's not one of the little things to twist it. If they don't have the key, they still can't turn the deadbolt. So that's important. Always do a double key deadbolt uh, lock on your front door. And don't get lazy and leave the key in there. I know who you are. People do that. It's like, oh, just leave the key in there. That kind of defeats the purpose. I mean, you can leave the key in when you're home because if someone tries to break in and and unlock it when you're home, if your night lock is in, well, they're not going to be able to remove that night lock because it's all the way on the floor, Mm -hmm. right? And it requires a pretty good bit of effort to get it out. So, Well, that brings up a good point about being And you also, for fire coat, like, you know, if there's a fire, you do want to be able to unlock it kind of quick if you need to. You can kick the night lock out of the way, turn the deadbolt, Mm -hmm. and get out in a hurry if you have to. Well, that's kind of like what we have is we have have the uh, combination on the, like, it's like the digital combination on the inside and the outside. So that way, even if you get in, you might not have the key. It doesn't take a key but you can hit the combination. It's going to open up. So it's kind of like a nice intermediary between those oh, two yeah. of like not having to worry about, like you said, oh, there's a fire, but I don't have the key mm-hmm. to just like hit the code. It's going to it's gonna pop open. I am a big fan of those electronic yeah. locks. I do utilize them on a wide variety of uh, almost all of my, my locks in my entire house. Uh, any, any door that's relatively important uses mm-hmm. those. They do represent a bit of a cost, but they are very nice um, because most of the times you're just you know, denying simple entry. Um, Locks only keep honest people out, as they say, you know. If someone's determined, they're going to get in that front door somehow. Um, But I think that that's a very important layer of security and a relatively passive layer, Um, you know, and really probably one of the most affordable layers is to, uh, you know, really barricade and fix your front door where someone can't kick in the door that easily. Now, anyone with enough determination can get in, you know, eventually. But if you can, you know, buy yourself some extra time, you know, 20, 30 seconds, it gives you enough time to grab the shotgun with the flashlight and go have a look. And by the time they actually get in the door, uh, trust me, they're going to not be very happy. So maybe we can talk a little bit about, I know we've really gone through a bunch of passive Ah, things. I know where we're going with this. But why don't we talk a little bit about, you know, just sort of the the Active. idea of let's just say staging some guns in the home and and more more of the kinetic avoidance, <laughs> kinetic. if you will, and the asymmetric warfare. That's right, <laughs> but I think there's a, some layers to that in of itself, right? It's like you want to have a bit of a plan. You want to know where your loved ones are in your home. You don't want to indiscriminately start, you know, firing a, a firearm inside your home and hit someone you don't want to hit because that would be devastating. So what process do we go through to ensure that the people in our home are where they need to be and that by deploying a firearm, we're not actually introducing a much more dangerous variable than the person might even be posing as a threat to begin with anyway? Yeah. 
And, you know, as far as going kinetic, as they say, the first thing I would do is just turn all the lights on the house. Like there is no reason that you have a house with power that you should be fumbling around that house um, in the dark with a flashlight. Because remember, guys, it's an ambush situation. That person has broken into your house at night. They will hear you coming. There is no point in your house where you're a ninja and you're creaking around that house and they don't then they won't hear you or they won't see you coming at night. They are, are in an ambush position. Turn the lights on. That is probably the number one thing that will get them out of your house. It's That's just true. like hey, like there's nowhere to hide. It's like a roach scattering. Yes, like you know, when 100%. the lights turns on. In the Everybody kitchen. has this fascination of like creeping around the house with the flashlight and a gun, and you're like, oh man, I'm gonna find you. Like, no, bro, they're gonna see you. They're gonna see your beam. They know where you're at. They can actually see you before you see them. That's just my opinion. Yeah. Um, and I'm pretty sure that's correct. If you so. follow, um, I, I forget the gentleman's name. At I believe it's Active Self Protection. Oh yeah. Uh, so. He goes through and he really just does a very professional assessment of some of these, uh, you know, videos that people end up having captured by their security cameras in their home. And he also does, you know, like 7-Eleven robberies and things like that. So he'll sort of say, hey, here's what they did right. Here's what they did wrong. Here's what I would do. Here's how, you know, he'll go through the improves and the sustains. Or if the situation's an absolute, you know, soup sandwich, he'll go, yeah, they were ate up from the beginning and here's why. So it's important to be able to really review those things that are going on video-wise to know how you can correct the situation and move on effectively. Now, one thing I've noticed um, when I've watched many, many, many of these videos, and I'm not going to claim to be an expert like he is because he worked in the security field for many, many years and has developed quite a knack for really approaching that from a very professional manner. So I'm not going to claim to know better than him. uh, But I would just say in my, you know, my opinion of just really watching a lot of videos, one thing I've almost always noticed, almost always, but certainly in a large margin have noticed that when someone enters the home with a firearm or a weapon and their intention is to intimidate the occupants of the home in order to steal or whatever they're going to do, if a firearm is introduced in the situation, probably 90% of them are going to turn and run. Most of them don't want to hurt someone. A lot of shootings that are involved in a home invasion environment are usually because they get scared or, you know, it's not to say that they're just evil people and they just are setting out to purposely hurt someone. Now, that might be the situation sometimes, of course, because, you know, you can't, always claim to know what people are thinking in their heads or whatever, where they're at mentally. But a lot of shootings are just because someone got scared. I mean, even though they are in your home and they know that they're not supposed to be there, if if, if a, it's that fight or flight type of thing that ends up happening, right? You know, it's either point the gun and, and squeeze the trigger, even though you, you know you're way in the wrong, or run away. 90% of them run away. Yeah. I mean... But don't don't assume they will, right? Well, I, I but just I, know they're probably going to bolt. I'll, I'll tell you, I've had to go through my house in the middle of the night, um, and you know, even even being a combat veteran, it's still kind of sketchy. Like you're, I think I told you guys the story. Like there were some really weird sounds coming out of my basement. We're up on you know second floor, and it's one o'clock in the morning, and 
I, you know, have multiple firearms, but I just grabbed my pistol. Uh, about halfway down, I said, man, that's probably, I shouldn't have probably grabbed my pistol. I probably should have grabbed something else. Um, but it, it's just, you have so many different feelings going through, like, and I'll, I think that that taught me a lot about, um, you know, having a plan. We didn't have a plan for that scenario because quite honestly, it never really crosses your mind. Like, Hey, I'm going to have to do this, but you're thinking to yourself like, okay, I'm going to go around this corner and who's it going to be? Is it going to be some random, you know, guy rummaging through my stuff? Or is it going to be my daughter that happened to wake up at one o'clock in the morning and is raiding the pantry because she's hungry, you know? And these are things like you're going around this corner. So you're like, all right, am I going to present and assume that it's a target of opportunity? Or am I going to kind of try to wait and see what it is? But you're, it's like a dilemma in your head of like, who's going to, who's going to get to that position first. And it's like this weird emotional it is. roller coaster of like, well, then you start thinking, well, crap, what happens if I'm wrong? And, you know, I ended up, you know, hurting like my child or my wife or a family member or something, you know? And so it's important to have a plan. Yeah. You not know, it's having important. Them. So the, like, if there's a noise or a bump in the night. Everyone needs to know what their role is. It's like acting out a play. It's like mm-hmm. having a plan, like a, a battle, right? Like in, in warfare, right? We soldiers, we have a plan. Like, all right, if this happens, this is what we do. And then if, well, if that doesn't happen, this is what we do. You always try to plan for every eventuality. Now, Murphy's Law is what it is. But let's say in this particular situation, everyone needs to know what their role in the environment is. Okay. The children's role should be to hide in a, in a, in a, Determined location, right? So, you know, you tell your kid, hey, you hear a scary noise. This is what I want you to do, right? And you go over it with them. You say, hey, all right, now, there just was a crash downstairs. What do you do? Oh, I go hide in this in this closet or whatever. Good job. Don't you dare come out until one of us comes to get you, no matter what you hear. So, see, you go through these things in your head, you know. You know what the role is of every person in the household and what they're going to do and where they're going to be so you can plan accordingly. And it's important to have a plan. Now, um, uh, a great layer of security that you can add are these battle blankets. Um, like I know mm-hmm. uh, our friends on Botac, they sell their battle steel, but one of the uh, products that they also sell are these battle blankets and they're throwable armor and you can deploy them quickly anywhere you want. So let's say that you have a throwable armor that maybe just stays attached to the side of the baby's crib. All right. For instance, you know, so that way, if let's say your baby's in another room, your baby obviously can't like get up and go somewhere you tell them to go. They're going to have to stay where they're at. Having a throwable battle blanket that maybe just stays clipped to the side of the bed is a great way to just add a layer of security in case things do have to go kinetic in your home. You don't have to worry about a projectile going through the wall and inadvertently shooting your own child or something. So there's those tiny considerations uh, that you have to take into account. All right, those battle blankets could also be used, let's just say, to line the inside of a closet. Or let's say you were able to pick up some AR-500 steel for a good price and have it cut. You could actually line the inside of one of the closets mm-hmm. with some with some AR-500. And then, see, and your kid doesn't even have to know it's in there. You can line it in there, paint it. They don't know it's steel. All they know is their daddy told them to go to the closet and lock themselves in it. And it doesn't matter. There could be a total eruption of a gun battle and there ain't a round getting in that closet. 
That's a, actually not a bad idea so, for like a safe room. Little things like that. A little mini safe room. It wouldn't mm-hmm. cost that much money at all to align the inside of a closet with some AR-500 for the kids. Mm-hmm. And I don't want anyone to think in the nature of this podcast that we're trying to say that that America is this this crazy epidemic of random, you know, vicious, horrible, heinous things happening and that in order to live in America, you have to have a steel lined closet to not die. <laughs> we're not saying not that. what we're saying. <laughs> we're not saying that. Uh, but we're just saying that prep preparing for the worst is never a bad idea, right? You just don't know what could happen. And it's just never a bad idea to have a plan. And it's just one of the tiny layers of security that we can have uh, at our disposal. Yeah. Be the warrior in the garden and not the gardener in the war. Of course. You know, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, Now, as far as, um, oh, by the way, that it it turned out in my, in my story, it turned out to be nothing but something falling over and making a loud sound. So it was all good, but it really, that's what it took to make, to make me think like, okay, well, maybe I should have had a plan. Maybe I should have said, you know, hey, wake my daughter up. Hey, go into this room and don't come out unless I come back and, and sure. say something. You know, like that really did put those things, those motion, that put those plans into motion about Yeah, or maybe it'd that. be an important to tell her, hey, if you hear a noise, don't investigate. Yeah. Let come, me investigate. Yeah, let me know. Come knock on the a door. A little tiny thing like that. And even most young people are going to be pretty receptive like there might be some areas where kids like disobey adults. Like I mean, it's just in their nature to to sort of have a little bit of a disobedient side here and there on certain situations. But if it's serious, if you tell your kids, "Look, this is serious. I need you to listen to me." Most of the time, they're going to do what you want them to do, and you can run little drills. You can mm-hmm. do little practice runs and try to make sure everybody's kind of on the same page. And I think that's a prudent and measured way to make sure everyone plays their part accordingly in a potentially bad situation. So let's and, talk uh, about, um, so now we're in that layer of we're in the home. Mm-hmm. And so we've, we've talked about all of the passive stuff. We've talked about things that, you know, we can do to help the situation, like turning on the lights and not trying to wander around in the dark and announcing yourself. I mean, if you say, Hey, I'm here. This, I mean, who are you? Why are you here? You know, and just, you know, no, there's no like sneaky ninja games going oh, on yeah. here. This is, this is your home. An and opposing booming voice echoes in, in, in a bright room and says, Hey buddy, what, what are you doing here? Yeah. 90% of, of your, your creeps in the night are yeah. going to, they're going to go right back out where they yeah. came in. I have about as, I probably want to shoot that guy about as bad as he wants to get shot. So just by announcing it, like, Hey, I'm not trying, I'm not, that is not my goal. My goal is not to have to repaint my room. Okay. Like it's, I don't want to have to change my carpet. I don't want to have to repaint my room. It's, you don't want to traumatize your family. Yeah, either. most certainly. And you don't want to take the take the chance of, you know, having overpenetration because you know what's really weird and what people are not used to is shooting angles. They don't realize the depth of saying, hey, I'm going to shoot here, but not realizing that two rooms away is your daughter's bedroom up and to the left. And those rounds will definitely go there depending on what what weapon system you're using. Oh, let's talk about that. Yes. And that's, that was the segue into like home defense, like weapons, over penetration, what's good, what's not. Um, the difference between, uh, self-defense ammo, ball ammo, 
Uh, a big argument is critical defense versus critical duty. If you're talking about different rounds, like, like oh, we don't want that because it's it's barrier blind or it's not barrier blind. Sure. Like, in certain situations, you want it to be, you know, non-barrier blind. You want it to stop. You don't want over-penetration in certain scenarios. There's certainly a lot of things that can go into that. And um, it's probably out of the scope of today's podcast because mm-hmm. we are kind of getting, you know, as as we peel these onion layers away, we're getting close on time, but we can hit on that pretty quickly. Um, we've done a lot of testing of various defensive rounds. Now, I'd like to drop a few things here just in case for our listeners and if you're viewing here on YouTube Mm-hmm. Um, those of you listening and YouTubers that are watching, uh, we have a couple of YouTube videos where we've done uh, a good presentation about different shotgun rounds. We also have one where we talk about the differences between defensive rounds and ball rounds, and we show some gel testing. We also have a bunch of videos on different ammo tests where we've tested various types of uh, ammo and ballistics gel and a couple of other FBI spec tests. So there's lots of good data out there, not just my videos but tons of other great channels mm-hmm. that have done some really great ammo tests for performance and stuff. I will say that for shotguns, number four buckshot is great because at close range against an assailant, it's going to definitely have some great kinetic power and kinetic energy that's going to definitely leave a mark. Yep. But um, it definitely loses a good bit of momentum in drywall. Uh, we've noticed that in most of our testing, even a direct shot against layers of drywall most of your number four buck won't penetrate more than about three, maybe four layers, and that's great. So that means that in a situation like you're mentioning, say you do, you are worried about someone a few walls away, um, it's certainly going to slow down enough that it's not going to, you know, be nearly the carrying energy as like a slug or mm-hmm. some double-op buck would be. Yeah, I, I want the ability for home defense, not personal defense, home defense. There's a distinction there. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to choose your ammunition accordingly. Uh, I'm not going to carry home defense ammo in my everyday carry. So sure. it's, it's different. I mean, there's frangible rounds yes. out there. You can do frangible 5.56 five, that certainly uh, will do quite a number against, mm-hmm. you know, a soft target, uh, but then we'll have very limited penetrating capabilities through structures. So for like that number four buck, I wanted to be able to pump, pump through the couch. If that guy is hiding behind the couch, I wanted to go through the couch. What I don't want to do is go through the couch, through the wall, into my neighbor's house. So That's right. you want limited, uh, limited punchability. The rules of, of firearm safety still come into play, yes. even in a home defense situation. Know your target and what is beyond your target. And that means the very walls of your home. You own every round that leaves the end of the muzzle of your rifle, shotgun, pistol, whatever firearm you're using to protect your home. You owe it to your neighbors and your family and everyone around you to make responsible choices when it comes to a home defense situation. Understand adrenaline's flowing, right? I mean, any father who loves the heck out of their kids and they hear a noise in the middle of the night. There's this primordial thing in the back of our head that goes, oh my God, someone's going to hurt my child and I'm going to do the nastiest things humanly possible to prevent it. It's natural to want to to do everything in your power. And it's natural to get wrapped up in the danger of the situation and the, uh, you know, the, the, the severity and, and, and urgency of the situation. Probably another important thing for yourself, just try to remain 
calm. So your decision-making processes aren't, you know, untethered. You want to make sure that you are trying your best to keep your composure. It's hard to do. <laughs> it is it's very, very hard, very to, do. hard to do. Especially <laughs> when you think someone's entering your home with a gun, they're yeah. trying to hurt you. Your mental fog and the combat fog that comes from that can make your decision-making process a little cloudy. Try to have a little bit of a woosah moment, like compose yourself. Now, so you make good decisions. You, you, I believe you did a uh, a test on this uh, on your channel about five, five, six in the house versus nine millimeter in the house, and I mm -hmm. think it showed that five, five, six is actually better to shoot indoors than nine mil, meaning that nine mil just over penetrates more than five, five, six, which would go against what you, if you just put the two rounds next to each other, you would think the opposite. But if I remember correctly, the five, five, six was really what you want. Yep. If you're going to choose between the two and heavier gaps. projectiles do tend to carry through a lot more. I mean, you want to talk about something that will absolutely penetrate through a home is 45 ACP. Mm. You know, yes. a slow-moving 230-grain ball. It's not like it's shedding a ton of energy as it hits each object. It's moving so slow, and it's got such a large frontal bearing surface, it just sort of just penetrates the heck out yeah, of everything. Like so football. <laughs> 45 ACP, so it all comes down to, like, what the intended purpose is that you're trying to accomplish with a certain carry gun or a certain rifle or shotgun. I mean, a shotgun slug, you know, again, large frontal bearing surface, I would say in the world of guns, uh, slower velocities than most rifle rounds, of course. You know, even a one-out slug moving 1,600 feet per second is no slouch. That's quite the uh, amount of energy going downrange. And then when you compare a one-out slug to a 45 ACP only moving 900 feet a second or whatever, you kind of get into the standpoint where, holy Moses, yeah. I mean, you're getting into some utter penetration. I mean, a shotgun slug... Could just about shoot all the way through a home if it didn't hit any studs. I believe it. One and a half ounces drywall. Of lead, man. Oh, Ooh. you know. In fact, I may have to do a video. I think. Oh, I, I think yeah. that is going to be a video. Let's do it. Let's see how many layers of drywall. A and we'll, what we'll do is we'll build the walls out with no. Just for the purposes of this argument, no studs, just insulation and drywall. How many layers will it penetrate? A Got one it. ounce slug moving sixteen hundred feet per second. And then we'll add some studs in there just for educational purposes to see how many studs it would take. Shotgun slugs carry a lot of energy. And while they're good for certain applications, I certainly would not consider it as a home defense option because the overpenetration is certainly a concern with the heavier, slower moving um, you know, rounds. I, I would consider the mm -hmm. same thing for 45 ACP. Probably not the best home defense option because it just carries. Well, people have this misconception of like the old school, like hostage situation, like down the hallway and the robber has the, your wife and he's got a gun to her head and you can't use buckshot because you need to hit that, that little tiny target hanging out next to your wife. Like brother, you ain't never going to take that shot anyways. All right. Just yeah. figure it out. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm pretty decent. And with the way that, you know, the adrenaline's pumping, your, your fine motor skills are gone and you're trying to hit like a four inch circle 
next to your wife's four-inch circle? I don't know about that one, man. At that point in the situation, you've failed somewhere. Yeah, there's you, you mistakes know, you, have been made. You've, you've <laughs> crossed the, the lexicon somewhere in the wrong way. Yep. Someone didn't do what they were supposed to do. Remember, we agreed upon this plan that we're going to have. Someone didn't play their role accordingly. Now, of course, we, we can all... It's easy to be a Monday uh, Monday quarterback yeah. and say, all right, well, we could have, should have, would have did it this way. I'm certainly not claiming that uh, that every situation is just going to turn out picture perfect, of course. I'm just saying, overall, it's important to consider all the layers. And we didn't even really get into all the layers that there are. We are getting close to uh, to the end here of today's podcast. Uh, we might even you know merit a future uh, podcast, maybe getting into the subject a little more. Yep. But I just... I think the important part of this particular presentation was just for us to discuss that it is a multi-layered approach, and the more layers you add into the holistic home defense bubble, the harder it's going to be and the less attractive it's going to be for someone to get in there and try to do harm or to steal from you or whatever the case yeah. may be. Throw some questions in the comments. We'll look through the comments. If we see some good questions that we can answer in another episode, maybe we'll do like a part deuce part. I'll tell you. Then, uh, you know, we'll go from there and we'll add in some some really cool questions. I have to make a slight confession really quick. We're going to go just a tiny amount over on time. I do want to field a couple of Twitter questions. Ah, Twitter Re- questions. Real Love quick. It. Okay, so I asked people on Twitter, I said, what are some of your concerns in terms of home defense? What are some hacks that you found are helpful to securing your home? And look, thank you guys a lot. We got a lot of folks replied to this. I can't go through every one of them, but I am going to just quickly, uh, as we're ending today's podcast, we'll go ahead and field some questions. All right. uh, Bob's Luck says, alarm system, uh, video cameras, dogs that bark, guns at strategic locations, practice drills with the family. We do fire Mm -hmm. drills as well. Keep your phones charged for 911 and any other comms. Solid. Pretty much in a yeah. nutshell what we talked about. Pretty Great, solid Bob. plan, man. Great, Bob. All right. Jarbeau easily says, standard locks on the doors and windows. I do, however, discreetly discard my trash and my high-end electronics I purchase. I break down the boxes and dispose differently around Christmas time. Yeah, trash cool. after Christmas is very telling. Don't I don't invite trouble. 410 gauge for the uninvited. So, again... Saying that you yeah. know a, a lower power shotgun round with a little bit less penetrating capability might be a great way to deter a potential yeah. threat. For will handle business, it will. You know. All right, John says uh, doors are locked, including the garage and back doors. Even when I'm home, nothing useful to throw through windows. Any place ah, near the house, what do we, we say? Go. Yeah, right. Don't leave the tools nearby. Okay, the windows are locked. The fire extinguishers on all floors. Ah, we didn't talk ah, about that. Yeah, make sure you stage up a fire extinguisher. Great, John. Uh, his guns are on the shelf. All others are in the safe. Have a plan that everybody in the house knows. Yep. So what did we talk about? Have yep. a plan. Good deal, man. Beautiful. All right. Michael Gallagher says, legality, what to do after the fight, how to handle police interaction when they show up for help, how to engage with police during a fight. Don't say anything to the police. How about that? Shut up. Yeah. Don't say a dang do thing. Your duty. <laughs> Don't say anything. Get a lawyer. But I do understand where he's coming from. You know, how do you let the police know, hey, I'm not the bad guy here, right? Probably important to identify yourself as being the victim of a crime and not the perpetuator of the crime. If there's some crucial piece of information that you can give them that would exonerate you immediately and that anybody, any normal person would go, yeah, that that is what it is, probably not a bad idea to bring that up. 
So yeah, I get it. You want to make sure the police know that you are the victim, but they are not your friend. Okay. They are there to do the paperwork, to file anything that needs to be filed. But remember, they have unadulterated access to your home now. So anything in your home, they is they can take a look at it. All right. Very quickly. One last question. Diana Boss. She says that our home has one hallway with all bedroom doors. The kids' room are first in the hallway and the master's at the end. Outside of the dogs that will alert us to an intruder, which they absolutely will, what's another way to give me peace of mind for my kids' safety? All right, the Mm -hmm. closet thing we talked about. So if they know, if they hear a noise and they're worried, they hear crashing, you know, maybe the, the little mini safe room in the closet might not be a bad thing. And that's a very passive and easy thing you can do that won't cost a lot of money. A few sheets of AR-500 and some screws and a little paint and you're there. I mean, that might be a great first way to look at that. But that is scary to know that your children are between you and a potential threat. That's something to consider. There's some great questions on Twitter, and I really appreciate you guys Um Sending me your questions. It sounds like we probably need to do a revisit to this later. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll definitely do it. Yeah, we're getting there. So, um, guys, have a great, great week. We hope you all enjoyed today's podcast. We just really began to get into the beans on this. Uh, but I think we got scratching the surface quite well and, and peeling back these onion layers. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's podcast. Leave us a great review. Also, if you're watching here on YouTube, share with your friends. Subscribe. Make sure you click the notification bell. Go over to Ballistic Inc. Pick yourself up a snazzy t-shirt. That's one way you can support our efforts, and we greatly appreciate it. Have yourselves a great week, and we appreciate you listening in and or watching here on YouTube. And uh, stay free, live safe, take care of your family. We'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to Life, Liberty, and Pursuit. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else podcasts are found. Be sure to leave us a five-star review. We'd really appreciate that. You can support us over on Ballistic Inc. by picking yourself up some merch. And remember, guys, dangerous freedom. Have a good one.